Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they're not experts on. I unfortunately have made a very similar mistake to what I did a few weeks ago where uh, I uh, didn't press record on the Zoom recorder again. Uh, so for the f- the first 35 minutes of this podcast will be the camera audio. It's quite good, the camera audio. Uh, we are going to put that 35 minutes at the end of the podcast, at the end of whatever we talk to uh, talk about in, in, in this uh, period of the podcast. Uh, what we talked about was uh, attachment styles. So we talked about anxious attachment, avoidant attachment. And I also made the announcement, which I'll go into more detail uh later on but all the uh subscriptions now for this podcast will be going towards charity they'll be going to the life you can save charity and i think this uh is a decision that is uh moving me and both of us towards contribution which was something jordan was talking about uh on the previous podcast so jordan i hope you're doing well i am doing well good on you neil that's uh that's very nice of you good on good on us yeah, well, yeah, and and the people who subscribe mainly, you guys are the main ones yeah, yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, we don't do shit. Okay, <laughs> we just chat. We talking shit, man. Um, so just let's just get into the morality of lying. What do you think about lying, Jordan? Do you think it's ever okay? Do you think if you had to lie to save someone's life, do you, do you, do you lie? Yeah, of course. Like everyone lies. I think the average is twenty six times a day or something. Twenty six times a day. My God, because there uh, was a certain uh, instance in my life quite recently where if I had just said one word differently instead of saying a yes, I said a no. You know what? Two people's life trajectory could have dramatically changed. But for how long? Yeah, I know that's the question, and then. What uh, long-term pain could have ensued instead of the short-term pain? But if you're saying it is it is okay to lie, in what situations is it okay to lie? Because I always say, I don't no, know no, no, where no. I've picked up that morality from. I think it's from one of my friends, Tim, but just never lie. If, if it's about someone's feelings or if it's an uncomfortable truth, you just say it. You don't actually ever lie. Now... What I was talking about previously, which will come up in the second half of this podcast, but uh, you can give people compliment sandwiches, so you can soften a hard truth, but that's different to lying. Yes. Well, they're kind of degrees of lying, aren't they? Because it's no, like I what know. I was saying before that, like of just putting your intention at the top of the email instead of the bottom of the email. Yeah. The reason that it's received better is because it's, let's just say this, more honest. No, I would disagree. I think there's no such thing as more honest. There's just honest. Do you reckon? Yeah. But like, is, it, is it a lie or is it not? But in that instance, you're softening the truth, right? So that is... Like you're softening you the blow to. of the truth, but you're not soften, softening the truth. Softening the truth would be something like if you beat someone to a pulp and you say something like, oh, I, I just grazed him or I beat him but not that hard. Well, that's not even softening. That's just... A, it's a lie. It objectively did not happen. You'd have to use real... Say, even that. You'd have to use such factual language... Yeah, properly say, like to, to to make that 
true, you know, because you could go both ways. You could be like, I lightly grazed him or like I beat him within an inch of his life. When the reality of the situation is that you might have just like given him a black eye and knocked him out. That's not an inch of his life. Well, I'm not a doctor. Maybe it's people sure. will be like, concussion is very close to... I don't know, but... Well, both... both. You know uh, what I'm trying to say. Both of those instances would be a lie then. In Wouldn't my, they? In my opinion. Wouldn't they? Neither of them are softening the truth. You're but, just, but you're one of just closer outright to the truth. lying. One of them is closer to the truth, though. I don't think it's on a scale. I think it's either true or not. Okay. So, say you have the number five. If, if you're thinking of a number, and then... And then I say the number six. You don't say, well, in that, it's just not the number five, regardless of whether it's six or 627. The, the number six is closer to the number five, but it's still just not the number five. Mm. We're talking about, is it the number five or is it not the number five? That's how I would see telling the truth. Is it the truth or is it not the truth? Not whether or not it's close to the truth. I know if we're talking about the subjective events, you can get into a discussion about, well, what really is the truth if it can be perceived differently by different people? But if we're talking about some sort of objective truth, a clear event that happened. But this is the whole thing. This, this is the, like, you can make the events of something and acknowledge it. I'll give you an example. Like, okay. Josh Frydenberg talking about the Royal Banking Commission. Mm -hmm. The Royal Banking Commission came up with, I, I can't remember how many now, like 26,000 breaches in the very small area that the Banking Commission was looking into. Huge amount. It was probably more than that. I'm just saying it off the top of my head. I remember it was like tens of thousands of breaches, as in things that were either criminal or close to. And josh frydenberger just be like oh yeah it's terrible like that one where they uh tried to sell a home loan to someone with down syndrome and didn't have like a guardian there that that's shocking but we're putting in place things and we're going to make it better in the future which you know you can all just put that as a lie but the thing is that he was just focusing in on one instance that was just like yeah there was this breach but never numbering how many fucking breaches there were he was like deliberately trying to avoid talking about the size and scale of what was uncovered during the banking commission. So to me, that would be a lie if someone asked him how malicious was the events uncovered by the Royal Banking Commission. And then if he responded with, well, there was this one instance, that would be a lie. That would be a lie. But if you asked him, hey, what was, what's your takeaway from the, Royal, the Banking Royal Commission? Well, that's his, that could be his personal truth. <laughs> because it's not it might not be a lot that could be his biggest takeaway uh man he's like he's he's more i'll give that's him that's his he's my more truth more calculated than that like if that was his truth and he's sure. the treasurer okay like it's not oprah right so, okay in in the realm of <laughs> politics there definitely is a grey area there. I still wonder if I would call that a lie, an outright lie. It's not, it's not that it's a lie. It's that it's like less honest. That's the thing. There's, I'm, I'm saying there's like a degree of honesty there. And if you're just like, if, if you're trying to, you know the phrase, you, the, the classic phrase that they used in uh, Weapons of Mass Destruction of massaging the truth. The, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Weapons of Mass Destruction 
claims were massaging the truth as opposed to lying. Mm. So I think was... that they are probably fucking right about that because, you know, they were looking at like storehouses and those so... storehouses could have had weapons of mass destruction in them. Yeah, so if if you say something like we have reason to believe this country has met weapons of mass destruction and, and that reason is some minute tiny little thing that is probably not true, that... Are you being fully honest there? Are you being fully honest there? I so think it's... the f- honest statement would be we have a small, very small reason to believe there may be weapons of mass destruction. Then that would be an honest statement. That would be an honest statement. But the implication, when you say we have reason, the implicit implication there is that we have a valid enough reason to undertake these actions, which then I would just call it a lie. I wouldn't even say massaging the truth. Because mm. it's kind of weird when you start thinking about it of this, as soon as you bring up that that thing of like, just, just the simple premise of whatever you're focusing on, that's your reality, mm. you know? And if you're moving people's focus to something that is true, mm-hmm. but you're like putting like importance on it and you're like increasing the scope and magnitude of it, it's it's That's, like it's not okay. honest it's it's not honest but is it a lie it's not a lie it's not a lie but, but it's, there's like a there's a there's a gray area there that's it's a like, deflection it's a deflection it's a, it's, a, it's an it's, immoral deflection but you're like call it that the, what i would say about it is you're hiding the truth you're hiding the magnitude of the truth. Mm. Do you so think it's like it's sort of a lie, you know? Do you think by hiding the truth, you are lying? No, no, because I think no, defining not... those two concepts, they are different concepts. Hiding the truth is different to lying. Not telling the truth is not a lie. Yeah, but it is different. It's not the same as truth. Yeah. Truth is warts and all. Yeah. Well, you know what else as well? Like, to be fair, it's also like saying that something's good. But yeah, there is definitely an objective reality and there's a degree into how much you can obfuscate that objective reality. You can just, you know, like you can point out, I don't know, there's a stain on the coffee table Mm -hmm. and someone could say, no, there's not a stain on the coffee table. That that's, is either a lie or th- that's a, a lie or a truth, right? But then there's all the other things in between of like, sure. oh, it's not that bad, or like, you know, you, you can buffer that out, and those things might not necessarily be true. You're still acknowledging that it's there, but you're trying to soften the the severity of the truth. But the severity of the truth that can be quite subjective. Exactly. So is it then in softening the severity of the truth? Are they are, are the people? Who are undertaking? Who are undertaking that softening process? Are they actually lying? If in their mind they don't think it's that harsh a truth, what if I actually think oh, it's not that bad a stain? Whereas you think, you know, that's a terrible stain. Yeah. And then you get mad because I didn't mention that the stain was there. Mm. That's where you get into perceptive differences. Yeah. So no one is actually lying in that instance. No. But if if I were to say there is no stain on the on the carpet, straight out lie. That is a lie. Straight out lie. So it's just like it's it's really murky. I think when you're saying something like 
you know, should you tell the truth all the time? Because there's also things like, are you deliberately misleading someone? Are you are you trying to absolve yourself of guilt that like is clearly yours or something like there, there's, there's like, there's other degrees yeah. there, but like, I, I mean, I've, I've said it before, like, and I, I actually do really agree with Sam Harris on it, that it's like, you should be trying. Actually, Jordan Peterson actually says it really well. Tell the truth. No, but he also says, if you don't know what the truth is, you at least know what's false. Don't say that. Mm. he's gotten mm. to the nut of it right there it's just like you know just don't lie don't yeah don't but, don't deliberately not tell the truth is what he's trying to say there but what if again coming back to the uh hypothetical situation you could save someone's life by lying do you lie i think most people would say yes yeah of course so that's where their but, moral statement gets into murky territory. Okay, so it's that classic thing of yeah, do you some kill baby Hitler or whatever? Just comes in, or yeah, or, that sort of thing. Well, that you know, like no, it'd be someone runs away, and then you see someone chasing them with a knife, and then they say, "Where did they go?" Yeah, 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 it's you that know, one, that one. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Well, then you just say that you point them in the wrong direction, don't you? Yeah, in the heat of that moment, you'd you'd. But the thing if is, if I like, was in that situation, I didn't think my life was at risk. What would I do? Some mafia don with a knife is chasing someone. I see where that person is hiding. Mafia don tells me where is that person hiding. I would say I don't know. Which would be a lie? I'll say I'd say fine. this is not this is not. If I really didn't feel like my life was a direct threat, I'd say, leave me out of this. So it's neither a lie or the truth. Yeah, I think that most of the time, there's definitely examples of it not being. So, you know, weapons of mass destruction Mm -hmm. being a classic example. But most of the time when you're not trying to lie, uh, when when you're lying, Mm -hmm. really the reason that you shouldn't be doing it is because it has adverse effects on you personally yeah that's the that's the thing it stays with you it stays with you and it also guilt of your conscience well yeah the other thing i think though is like everything that you do is just a habit right and if you get into the habit of lying Mm. it does eventually catch up to you even in this for instance that it's just like people start registering you as a liar and the most damaging thing to human relationships is trust like as soon as trust is broken the relationship deteriorates very quickly then. So how do you destroy trust? A really fast way of doing that is by lying. And this is something that like, as, as somebody who basically is just a public broadcaster as a profession, right? Mm -hmm. This is always getting caught out on me. People are always saying, you said this, or like you're inconsistent on this, or you lied about this. It's all those kind of things. But this is when you realize how much human beings actually lie because look, I'm going to say, and now it's like you're starting to get really like uh, careful about it, but I swear most of the times they're like, look, you said this. And I'm like, yeah, I did say that. But you don't notice that you say it. What's an example? You're just talking. Are we talking just mundane day-to-day conversation? So I'm just thinking today, when you said people lie 26 times a day, 
I had a few phone calls today and people were like, how are you going? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I was, like, I was not in a good mood in the morning. So that well, was, that's a that lie. Was, that's a lie. That's a lie. I should... should yeah. See? It's just... Just trying to keep up polite society or something. Well, it's... I, I, I think that, like, look... Keep up appearances. What's what's the lies that people have caught you out on? Well, I, the, the classic, classic example, actually, is... I was telling a story about how I went into a pet store and then someone was just like, racist, one of the staff and refused to serve me. I heard that one. Yeah. And then the chick afterwards came up to me. Well, I said that the chick afterwards came up to me. Actually, just as a little FYI, that chick got fired, I think. I'm really fucking happy about it. Really? Oh, she must hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. I'm going to get an assassination attempt. (laughs) And then they're gonna they're gonna investigate all the liberal backbenchers, but no, it turns out it was just a former pet so- barn employer. <laughs> <laughs> the cheek in the armor. She was, uh, yeah, like she was a cunt though, and like I swear it was a thing of just they were looking for excuses to get rid of her. They must have. <laughs> okay, but she was clearly a fuckhead, right? Um, yeah. Well, there was just other people there that you could tell were just weaklings and were just going along with the ride. But she yeah, was sure. clearly just one of those people that just has a really nasty, adverse personality. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro. But the the woman that served me, uh, and she was really nice to me. And then I, while I was just telling the story and I was – because you – you know, when you're just telling a story, you're not even really thinking about the words that are coming out of oh, your mouth. You're just keeping it going. I'm a comedian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every truth is embellished in a comedic story. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but there's a tacit understanding. Everyone at a comedy show knows, oh, these aren't actually true. Yeah. And I think that people just understand that when you're just saying a story. It's the classic, the fish was this big. Yeah. So what did you... What were the details you uh, weren't fully accurate about in that story? Yeah, she said, "I know." So she just came up to serve me, and she was just like, "What did that chick say to you?" And I was just like, "Ah, she just accused me of being a racist or some shit like that." And then I said that she said something along the lines of, "Fuck, I can't, I don't want to get like this on record. This is not accurate." But it was something like, "Yeah, fuck her. She's a fucking idiot. Everyone hates her," or something like that. And then just I just kept going on with the story. She then later, because she was scared she was going to lose her job because there was an investigation apparently or whatever into the whole matter. And so... By who? By pet? By this... Apparently went all the way to the fucking state manager. They saw the, <laughs> they saw the podcast and they were just like, fuck, this is bad. And so they just... They went all out. They went all out to I discover... That. You got that power. Fuck, you can get... You can get... Very get low people. people. <laughs> God damn, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> but she deserves it and i think pet barn's stronger for it i really endorse your decision thank you you've you really uh instated my trust in the brand i do like ah. pet barn a lot though i think they actually are a really good organization and did before that they're the only they're the main they're like they've got a monopoly on pet needs, pet don't needs they? yeah <laughs> they're the coles and woolworths yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you should be taking they're them Walmart, down bro. dude you should <laughs> They gave money to the Animal Rescue Collective. I don't have uh, it in my heart. Yep. I'm not going to okay, even look okay. into it if they're going to be ripping you off on bird feed. I, I don't know and I don't want to know. <laughs> Good tra- talk to the entry-level pet stores that have been uh, restricted from the market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway, anyway so, so that lady didn't actually say, fuck her, she's a fucking idiot. 
Well, then, yeah, she went on. And the thing was, I wasn't even really thinking about it, didn't think that people were, like, taking that to word. Mm. But then when you're in an investigation, they're just sitting there and they're looking at the facts as I presented them as if I'm on court, yeah, court like wow. on the witness stand or whatever. And they're just like, do you really say she's a fucking idiot and everybody hates her? And so, obviously, she's thinking, fuck, I'm going to lose my job. Apparently, the boyfriend contacted through some kind of thread or something saying that she didn't say anything like that. And so, I went out and publicly apologized and said, look, if you get fired, just tell me and I'll give you a job because you're clearly like a really fucking nice person. Because like everyone else in the pet store was just standing around being like, oh, my God, this person hates Aboriginals. He hates Aboriginals, you know. And there was just that one chick that was just like, this is stupid. I'll serve you. So I thought that she was of upstanding. Everyone character. in the pet store was yeah, all the other fucking their staff were just sitting there being like unbelievable. Really, it's racist. Yeah. Is this a common the- event now that you're experiencing? Has this happened to you multiple times? No, but every time it does happen, it's always the same person. Is it still recurring? Because this event no, was no, last no. year, so no. But you can New see. But you quick. can see. When you meet someone, but they're always the same people that hated me anyway. Yeah, I could bet. I, I, I feel like I can p- picture them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's anyone Damn, who bro. looks like they should have a blue tick next to their name in real life, that person. You know me. what? No, it's even worse. It's anyone who wants to have a blue tick next yeah. to their name, but doesn't yeah. have one yet. Uh, <laughs> so they couldn't even get to like a thousand followers. That's sad. Yeah, that would, that would be something. A bunch of people standing there with their arms crossed surrounding you calling you a racist i gotta admit though i, I guarantee they're all white yeah they're all yeah. they're all white <laughs> dude we wouldn't give a fuck that's the whole thing <laughs> dude. Okay. we're more racist trust me i know and you get this when you go to the western suburbs yeah i know no one gives a fuck they just and they they're just all fucking it like it is, mate. yeah but they've just got this look in their eyes that you do not see in the eastern suburbs or in the inner west mm. of, like, you know, bigger fish to fry, more trustworthy. It's, again, because it's a slightly harsher environment. Everyone there has been rolled. <laughs> so that's, yes, that's true, yeah. <laughs> so there's just something. Everyone's more in it together there. There's, sure. There's that sure. feeling there. It doesn't exist in the eastern suburbs. Okay. So anyway, back to this... Uh... So you were speaking extemporaneously mm-hmm. and embellishing the story for the podcast. But this and... is the thing. I would say that I wasn't even, and this is the thing that happens in the mind, right? I wasn't even aware that I was embellishing it. It wasn't even this thing in my mind of I am deliberately enhancing this story. It was just my mouth is moving. Let's keep this going until we get to the final destination. Well, it was just I'm telling a story. Go well, but a lie is still a lie. Exactly, so that's what I'm you saying. Did lie, yeah. You and didn't. You didn't consciously lie to, uh, for nefarious means. It no. just came out, but yeah, it's still lie. But that's what I'm saying. The human mind, and this is why I think everyone should be charitable about lying and to what degree and like what what it actually the intention was in things because, um, it was it was. I, I've always been aware of that and I've always, and I think it's also just the fact that my mum was always so accusatory of lying. She always had this yeah. paranoia in her mind that everyone was lying and also had this God complex that she never told a lie, which was bullshit. Of course she did. Sure, like, and everyone, I caught her out all the time. Everyone does lie. 
Exactly. Some more than others. Please. And so that's why I always just see it as a thing of like, you know, you should you should try and eliminate lying as much as possible. But if you do lie, just know it's the human condition. It just happens. Hmm. It's like you just, for instance, just saying, I'm good. It's just an automatic response. But were you really trying to mislead your friends or like cause any damage or stop people from knowing anything you know nefarious no. it's none of that it was kind of just like let's get to the next point this is the easiest way of doing it yeah i'm fine mm. it would be an interesting exercise to go through one day where you just the only time you spoke you, you only spoke if you were entirely confident that you were telling the full truth you never lied so in all the small talk oh nice weather if you don't think it's nice you can't say that yeah what I would, would like a sandwich. No, you've got to say exactly what you want. I would like a sausage roll, but I think a sausage roll is unhealthy, so I'm buying a sandwich. You've got to just say every truth. That would be a funny sketch, actually. I might make that. Well, they already made it. It's the movie Liar Liar. Damn. <laughs> it already well, exists. I'll update it. Yeah. I'll do Western, Western Sydney Liar Liar, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a pretty generic concept. All right, but real real quickly before we get into attachment styles, uh, when is it appropriate to consciously lie? So I think of a situation, say, what about a situation where someone's told you not to do something, but you've then mitigated any potential adverse effects of having done that thing? So I remember one time when I was a, when I was a kid and my mum said, oh, don't break this. It was a dartboard or something. Don't play with it. Don't don't play with it, and 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 then I it's, oh, what was it again? Something happened. I did actually play with it, but then but then I put it back, or then I it was as though I hadn't played with it, or it was it was it was some situation like I can't remember exactly what it was. It was something new, and then I was told not to play with it or not to use it, and I did, but then I put it back as though no one had played with it or used it, and then she said, "Did did you did you use it?" And I said, "No." Mm. So is that, I was lying there, but I mean, what is it? The only difference if I had told the truth in a situation like that is the person would then have a different perception of me. Mm. I'm trying to think, what's another, another example would be say, if you break something, but then you fix it as though it wasn't broken. Um, oh, yeah, it's a classic 10-year-old dilemma. Yeah, so then, well, these these can then be extrapolated into uh, more significant adult scenarios. But if you, if you break something that you then fix entirely so that it's, it's, it's as good as it was before it was broken, and someone asks you, did you break that? Are you, obli- are you morally obliged to say, yes, but I fixed it? Or do you just say, no. Or do you just say, it's fine? I think saying it's fine is the truth. You know what that is? That is that an obfusca- obfuscation, hey. It's an obfuscation and it's an ex- exact... Virtually every episode of Breaking Bad has one of those moments in it. Of what? Saying... Like, you know, just... I don't know. Did you kill that person? And then them saying... And then, like, you know, that person saying, no, I didn't. They didn't kill the person, but they ordered the hit yeah, that killed the person. Sure. You yeah, know, yeah, it's, it's kind of, of like that, ones. isn't it? Mm, so, yeah, no, I did not kill the person. That's, that's... 
Yeah, truth. That it's is true. the truth. But <laughs> you didn't kill him. But if you know that, what about this situation? If you know certain details, if you withhold details about an event or an action that you know would have uh, that that the listener of those details would experience a uh, adverse emotional reaction untoward. Are you morally obliged to speak about whatever occurred in full? Yeah. So I don't know. So yeah, a I mate's girlfriend was flirting with another guy or something like that. And then he asks, Hey, uh, did you have fun out there with with your friends and my girlfriend or whatever? Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> or do you say, Yeah, no, she flirted with that guy? But you're also friends with the girlfriend. You know? What do you do in those situations? See, now it's like what you were saying before of it's not going to hurt anyone if no one knows. Flirting is fine. Everybody flirts all the time with people even though they're in a relationship. Sure. No, but it may... Let's say it will hurt this guy. And so this is the whole thing, right? Like it's always truth is always framed in the aspect of like uh, truth being something that's always like ne- has a negative association to it, isn't it? Because if the guy isn't going to be hurt sure. by it, and he says, "Was my girlfriend fine?" and you say no, I mean, sorry, so you say like, uh, "No, the the girlfriend didn't flirt." Mm-hmm. Well, no, like, you don't even say that. You just say, "Yeah, it was fun." Hmm. See, that's just like omitting a detail, isn't it? But if the guy would be hurt by it, it's not omitting a detail. It's lying at that point. So why is it always negatively associated? So the severity of the lie is based on the potential reaction or lack of reaction of the listener. Yeah. I don't... But that's not because... Okay. Say there's a young child and then the the dad does something horrific to the mom and then, I don't know, commits, what's that, f- familicide, fami- familicide or when the, yeah, look, the, the father kills the mom and kills himself mm. and the daughter was at school or something like that and then is picked up by the grandparents, then what are the grandparents obliged to tell her? Do you tell that child yeah, your dad went crazy, killed your mom, then killed himself. Or do you just say, there's been an accident and very sadly, mommy and daddy have gone away? Of course, you, you say, I would think in that situation, you got to say option two. Why? Depending on the age of the child. Let's say... She, the child is five or something like that. That's going to scar them deeply. Whereas if you if you then no, tell them, tell them as a teenager and really sit them down and say, look, the reason we didn't tell you this at, at the age it happened was for these reasons. Hopefully they would under, they would then understand. So lying is mostly just there to mitigate hurt, isn't it? What would you do? What would you do in that situation, in that child situation? Well, my immediate instinct was to say, yeah, they got your dad murdered your mum or whatever, but 
<laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably would. All right, kid. <laughs> it's a tough world You're not out like there. This. <laughs> <laughs> this, let me tell you about <laughs> how neoliberalism influenced this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Is your dad really to blame? <laughs> If it wasn't for the Howard era policies, <laughs> this would not have happened, kid. Felt labor. It would have been heavier. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's probably exactly what I would have done. <laughs> you can win a bit. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's probably That's so it. funny. So, like, I'm probably not the right person to ask. Well, no, but I want to know why then do you think that it's appropriate to tell the full truth in that situation? I would take a sort of, I guess, emotionally consequentialist view. What is going to hurt the child the most? Hearing it at that age? Well, at that age, hearing it will hurt the most. But then does that then offset the pain of hearing it at 16 or 18 or whenever you choose to tell them you can't actually foresee into the future so you don't know you'd have to ask a psychologist some sort of a question like that but i'm 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 choosing to withhold the full truth assuming that that pain at that age would be just unbearable compared to the slight the lesser pain of hearing that the parents have gone away or whatever you tell them and then and then that added pain when they're older of hearing the full truth. But then I could be wrong. And I'd have to, you'd have to recreate that hypothetical situation knowing exactly what would be more painful. So I would choose to lie if it meant mitigating against, look, it's pain versus pain in this situation, but whichever situation is going to cause lesser pain in the long term overall. You, I would then choose that. Do you remember a situation where you did? Like to avoid someone feeling pain, you lied? Not off the top of my head. I'm sure I have, without a doubt. But I mean, there's yeah, little situations like where I've seen people on stage. I'm like, yeah, that was good. Yeah. It was not good. And it was not good. Or like That's vi- what people, I was thinking. People exactly. always send me videos and they're like, man, it would mean a lot if you check this out. I'm like, oh, it was, so good. It was really funny, man. man. Yeah. yeah. Like most of the time it's not. Mm. <laughs> but, but, oh. but see, this is the thing that's weird. Now that you've like put more onto it, I think that that's probably a better thing to do. Is it a placebo lie, you know? If, if you give them the confidence of saying, that was amazing. Oh, my God, a, a big YouTuber said it was amazing. I can keep going through with this. And then that confidence then makes them a better video maker or something like That's that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, just keeping it going. Mm. So, I mean, you can say, like, that was shit. You should uh, continue on. But I don't think that when you're starting out, it's actually very helpful for somebody to be sitting there saying, that sucked. Of course. Now when I'm at my stage, I really, really like the fact that I'm not surrounded by yes men. And they're just like, that was garbage. That was terrible. That that actually is good at this stage. But not when you're starting out. So maybe it is better to lie. In terms of like the net benefit on the world, you're not going to be doing anything that actually hurts the person. On the contrary, you could be giving them the career of their dreams. You could be making them delusional though. Some would say the problem with 
our generation and who have gone through the self-esteem 90s era parents that have always told their kids, you know, you're perfect just the way you are, you're beautiful, you don't have to change anything about yourself. You're actually creating more problems because you've just lied to them their whole life <laughs> to not damage their confidence, but in a weird way to make their confidence and self-esteem so fragile. Maybe just like... It's just weak. The quick lie then of like, yeah, that was really good. I would improve that video by editing it properly. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. Yeah, but then you're still lying. You are still lying. Yeah. I just thought of one other situation, but I've forgotten it now. You know what else you could say? Yeah. And this is something that I actually do say in those situations when someone says, what do you think about this video? Mm-hmm. Usually I'm always just like, yeah, that is good for someone who is starting out. It's not necessarily a lie. It's not necessarily... Sure, but it may not, not be obfuscating the truth for someone who's... It, it. What if it's a video that is just bad, that you do not like at all? Is it still a lie, though, to say it's good for someone starting out? Because the reality oh, is that everybody that kind of starts out is pretty shit. Uh, if you think it's a bad video, then I think it is a lie. You're probably right. But, like, objectively, the person would be, you know, the, 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 their badness as opposed to somebody who even has natural talent and are just starting out. It's going to be better... But then you could just say that that's like really good for someone starting out. Sure. But it's still that thing of like you're unrefined at this point, and that's what you're that's what you're emphasizing there. Yeah, yeah. To wrap it up, that's what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about this. Just reminded me of a podcast that uh, Jordan Peterson and Brett Weinstein did together with Joe Rogan, and they were talking about religion. And I think Brett made a. a, a, a uh, so an, an analogy to this parable with, you know, it, telling someone a porcupine is dangerous is a good evolutionary strategy because the porcupine actually is dangerous or something. But saying the porcupine has poisonous spikes that will shoot out at you if you get within 100 feet of it, even though that's not true, that's an even better evolutionary strategy. I, I can't remember. That's not exactly what he said. But the point is he was saying... There are certain lies that are better evolutionary strategies because it then influences behavior that is advantageous to survival. And we could then extrapolate that concept and say, are there certain lies that are advantageous to someone's self-esteem, someone's confidence, a relationship? And if so, does the positive effect of that lie offset the uh the immorality of the lie itself is it even an immoral lie so when you say it's the classic i don't know if we just say everyone's beautiful that's a lie depending on your definition of beautiful assuming we're talking about beauty implies some something special and unique so by definition not everyone can really be well, I, you can get into the semantics of that, but everyone is attractive in their own right. I think we all understand that some people are a bit more attractive than others. Again, it gets into the subjective idea of what do you define as attractive, but but in 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 instilling that lie into a population, do you then increase the self-esteem and create 
an overall benefit to the population and the society. Don't you think that a better lie would be everybody can gain two points? Two points of what? If you're a 5 out of 10, you can become a 7 out of 10. If you're a 7 out of 10, <laughs> yeah, you can sure. become a 9. That's a very practical. That's not even a lie. That's It's not even that's, a lie. That's true. So it's just better to say that, isn't it? Like it would be better to put that out into the population. Sure, but let's say hypothetically that, well, it may not even be hypothetical. I think some studies have hinted at that positive reinforcement is actually what is the... Uh, most productive factor in having people who are overweight actually lose the weight. So when you say to people, oh, this is unhealthy, this is, you're obese, you're killing yourself, it makes them feel bad and makes them want to eat more. Whereas if you do actually positively reinforce them and say, you need to just accept yourself the way you are, you sh- you deserve love, you deserve uh, happiness, and, and you are beautiful, that actually makes them feel better and want to lose weight. Mm. I think there are some studies that have actually linked that. So, Yeah, that would make wonder... sense because like, the fatness would be a coping mechanism. Yeah, so I wonder if there are situations where those sorts of lies, some would even say uh, teaching religion as though it is fact is that evolutionarily advantageous lie. Mm. Mm. Because then... It is instilling certain values within children that will manifest in beneficial behavior throughout their life, even though it's predicated on a lie. See, this is where you start getting into the territory that Tony Robbins is always talking about, which is that everything that you ever say to yourself is a lie to some degree. No one, just by being a human being, can okay. objectively get into reality. So the whole point, Damn. his whole teaching is kind of just like he's obsessed with trying to give people the most advantageous story of themselves and the world mm. to make them thrive in it. Yeah, so... And that's what's happening there. So everything is a lie. Everything we tell ourselves is a lie. But there's things that are more true than others. And so it's just kind of... See, this is the whole thing. Like, I I really think that these kind of things are just like very academic exercises in terms of like you shouldn't, you should always tell the truth and things like that. I think that it's just like it's never going to actually pan out like that, is it? That's true. But is it something you should aim for? And in aiming for it, you're going to, you will tell more truths than someone who doesn't aim for it. And whether or not the, what is the most moral position to take? That's something I still. I think it's that. I think it's like, this is. Well, this is what I think is the most moral position. I think it is. You're going to lie. There's going to be instances where you consciously lie. That's all right. Everybody's going to do that. It's part of human condition. It's part of evolution. It's just the fact that human beings even have the ability to tell stories in their own minds. Yeah. Like the way that I was lying then wasn't even conscious. I swear I wasn't even consciously doing it. I didn't even think about the words when they were coming out of my mouth. But it was part of a story. Human beings have the ability to just fabricate that, to like go back into the recess of their memory and just being like, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not what happened. It's what happened from your perspective. And, you know, there's all those like filters that go into it. Um, sure. But it's misattribution, I think, isn't that the yeah psychological? T- I don't know. And then if you're 
going for that, but then you're trying in every opportunity doing what Jordan Peterson says of just like, if you consciously catch yourself out lying, that's actually something that I do do. Like what we were talking about before with like the inner dialogue, a lot of the time when I'm not really paying attention to someone, I'm just listening to my own head and they're just like, yeah, so that happened. And then they're just like, were you paying attention? Like my automatic response, like right up until very, very recently when I read like Jordan Peterson's book on it, I was always like, yeah, I'm listening, whatever. Mm. But then I just started going, you know, yes. Th- th- that's what still happens to this day. They'll be like, are you listening? I'll be like, yeah. And then like, you know, it'll register. And then five seconds later, I'll be like, no, actually I wasn't listening. Go on, say it again. And then they'll be like, and they'll go on with it. But then, you know what happens a lot of the time when I was just like, yeah, yeah I'm listening. Dude, I would be wrangled into things with my girlfriend that I like really didn't want to fucking do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like someone would be just saying like, you forgot my birthday. Like there'd be all that kind of shit that happened because I just like, yeah, I'm listening. Like, so <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like it does. Most of the time it is an advantage to try and stop yourself. So that's the general uh, yeah. rule is what I'm saying. Like, you yeah, should, you should try and call yourself out when you see it happen. I agree because then you'll get into a really bad habit. You get into a bad habit. And that's the whole thing is that, yeah, I'm listening. So habitual. Didn't mm. even realize I was doing it. Mm-hmm. But then when it gets to the, so, the, the the grander stories that we tell ourselves and society, that's where it gets into murk, murky moral territory about lying. But we'll wrap that portion of the podcast up there. What's going to happen now is because I screwed up again, even though I made this mistake quite recently, uh, we actually recorded the first 35 minutes of this podcast well, about 45 minutes ago, but the uh, microphones weren't working. The camera microphones are really good. So just uh, bear that in mind. The audio is going to dip in quality a little bit, but there's still another 35 minutes of this podcast to go. Hope you enjoy it. And because we don't have a conclusion at the end of that 35 minutes, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we will see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they're definitely not experts on. My name's Neil, I'm joined by Jordan. Quick announcement, all subscriptions that come through this podcast, if you're interested in subscribing, neilkohacker.com slash podcast, they will all be going to charity now. Uh, made that executive decision after you uh, probably heard me being a, being a soft cock last week. <laughs> talking about me wanting to contribute. So I think this is the least uh, we can do. Uh, so thank you for all the subscriptions so far. Uh, one, two, three, ten, and $30 a month subscriptions available, plus one-off donations, different tiers of rewards at each subscription level. neilkohacker.com slash podcast. I also have shows on every week in Sydney on Thursdays. Jordan's got a tour going on soon as well. But... I'm here, and we're going to chat. How are you going, Jordan? Going pretty good. Yeah. Where are these? Where are these charity? What what charity are you doing? Are you just going to rotate them? No, it's the Life You Can Save Australia. So the premise of that charity. Do you know about Peter Singer's effective altruism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, these charities are a collection of charities where the the dollar you donate does the most good per dollar. All right. So uh, the the theory is, you know, if you donate to a Western charity a hundred dollars can and buy food for one family whereas a hundred dollars can 
save 50 African kids from getting malaria. Yeah. So uh, the the charities can be viewed, the, the Life You Can Save Australia, if you go to the website, you can see uh, all the charities that they do donate to. There's a collection of them. They're all wonderful causes. And if you can donate $1, even $1 a month, you'll be making, making some African kids' dreams come true. Not getting malaria. Mm-hmm. That's, that's their dream. That's their dream. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that really We're does put in perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so good that you've got that get out of jail free card now. Yeah. Just be like, oh no, cunt. I've saved a thousand African kids. I what have you done? The N word now. Yeah, you've, you have earned that right easy. Damn right, bro. Even <laughs> though I'm not. I'm not the one donating. I'm facilitating the donations. No, you are, because that was money that was going into the, True. Well, like the, the podcast's pocket. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, it's not So the not opportunity doing cost of, the, of not taking the, those subscriptions is I'm paying for the production cost. So, yeah, you're damn right. I'm paying that money to charity, even though you guys are directly packing. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But, yes, it's all going towards a good cause. I feel a lot better now as well. Sorry if you had to endure me very forlorn in the last two podcasts, but no, it is it is a constant justification in the back of your mind every time you're feeling down of like, why should I feel down? There's there's, there's worse human beings out there than somebody who uh you know like is is actively improving the developed world, developing world. There's got to be like, there's got to be some cunts out there, even in prison, that are worse than me. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hope I can use it as a get out of jail free car. You, you, I think you can. I really do think you can. Look, mate, you ran over five pedestrians while you were drunk. Yeah, well, I've saved fifty lives, so shut up. Yeah, exactly. You're still up forty-five. Don't judge me, God. <laughs> I still get into heaven. I wonder if God cares about you, Because if He does, and you have done that, haven't you, with your Continuing on with maths after year 10, you have a, you, you're seeing the world in that kind of way. And it probably is like a, like a, what we're kind of discovering here, probably a more altruistic way of looking at the world and just like raw numbers. Maybe, yeah. If you started at net zero, if you started zero and then every uh, positive moral behavior takes you above zero. Likewise, every negative moral behavior takes you below zero. And then the people who are above zero, at the end of the day, get into heaven. The people below zero go to hell. I mean, it it seems... If I was God, I'd do it like that. He could make an equation like that. In fact, that's actually what I wanted to talk about on a podcast. What? Uh, Lying. Okay. Mm. Today. Do you want to talk about... We could talk about lying. Well, what was your other one? Attachment. Well, I wanted to sort of talk about both. Yeah, go for it. Well, first... uh, they're actually very okay. linked. Yeah, they are very linked. So I read a book the other day about attachment theory and relationships, and there's three main styles. So there's your anxious avoidance. Uh, sorry, your anxious, anxious uh, attachment, uh, your avoidant attachment, and secure attachment. So what secure, was the book? It's just called the Attachment Theory Workbook, I think. Yeah. And I posted it on my story. Brilliant. It's, it asks you a lot of questions. Has a quiz for you. It gives you a rating from secure to insecure, and then. Uh, avoidant to uh, anxious, much like the political compass. And I scored pretty well on all of them except anxious, as you would expect. 
uh, definitely in a higher range for that. Yeah. You're an avoidant, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. So I just uh, have been seeing uh, a lot of my past experiences, not just in romantic relationships, but in professional relationships, in friend relationships, through that lens now. And a lot more things make sense. And as Don't you know, you when things make sense, I feel a hell of a lot better. So now they have a rational, foundational underpinning for uh, things that may have gone awry in my life. I uh, feel a lot better. It's so much better than walking around in the dark. Oh, yeah. It can't just be us. Like, I really feel like everyone would benefit from just those basic, these basic categorizations. Read a book about attachment theory. Read why him, why her. And and so many things make sense after that. So if you don't know, anxious attachment is, as the name suggests in all of them, anxious attachment is someone who, if they feel that the bond with the person they uh, care for is weakening or is insecure. They uh, tend to attack the other person emotionally. It's quite subconscious. So you're making me feel this way. Why are you making me feel this way? Why are you abandoning me? You could sort of link it loosely to abandonment issues. Avoidant attachment style is someone who just does not want to deal with conflict. So rather than actually hash out the conflict and understand it, they just usually cut people out or say, ah, don't want to deal with it, I'll put it under the bed for later. That's a very brief description of the two styles. And then secure attachment is someone who is probably the least narcissistic of all of them. So it deals with the conflict in itself and it doesn't affect them as a person. They don't, they don't have an insecure uh, love style that came about from their parental upbringing. So uh, you want to aim for a secure attachment. And you know what else as well? I think it's like very obvious when you meet someone who has uh, a secure attachment. Yeah. As soon as you, as soon as you start, because these are one of those books where you just start seeing the ones and zeros as you're walking through life. Yeah. Um, and, and like after a while, when you speak to someone, it makes sense. These three things, these three categories, you'll start like noticing people, and you'll just be like secure. Or like the ones that I used was just like Ocean Island Wave. Yeah. That one, right? Ones, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but like th- that that explains so much of people's behavior. Mm. It was actually like... I'd love to understand and unpack the mind of an avoidant though. So that's what I wanted to ask you about. Well, remember how... What I'm, goes through your mind when you, this when you is, deal with conflict? Because that's interesting because it is... Look, when I'm, when I'm dealing with conflict... That's pretty much the first thing that I do is just pretend that everything's fine and try and get on with my day and avoid that conflict at any cost. Even if it's sweltering there, I will just put on like a fake smile. It's just the same way I imagine every Japanese person deals yeah. with conflict. See, I'm <laughs> the total opposite to you. If there is serious conflict in my life, whether it's uh, in an intimate relationship or a professional relationship, Nothing else can go on in my life until I solve that conflict. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I feel like the secure person would want to solve the conflict, but it wouldn't adversely affect their self-esteem and their life in general. And they no. can still get along with their day. You avoid it completely, bury it. I have to get it done. Mm. I cannot mm. go on with my life until mm. conflict is solved. But and what's then- the difference between like... Uh, an avoidant and a secure, uh, sorry, uh, and a, someone with attachment and secure them because they would be doing the same thing. Wouldn't they, they, they'd be addressing the conflict. I guess it's just like the degree of maturity in which you degree. Do you reckon that is it? No, I think it's that if you're anxious or you're avoidant, those are both elements of 
insecurity, yeah, attachment yeah, yeah. insecurity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just which side of the scale you're on. Yeah. Uh, and usually, and like you're an example, the counter example of that, but usually women are usually more yeah. uh, wavy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> facts are facts, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and Bro, it's like, 2021. <laughs> I, reckon, uh, I reckon a lot of guys actually uh, can yeah. illustrate anxious attachment behaviors. Yeah, it's not it's not Dude, your it's classic not, why are you making me hurt like this i'm crying and i need attention because i'm crying it's also the guy who's like calling the girl 20 times like fuck you you fucking bitch you fucking made me get drunk like, that is an anxious attached anxiously attached guy but don't you think that this is like because this is the thing that i'm always hearing about in workplace relationships and this is what i was talking about a couple of months ago on the podcast and we kind of just i, I don't know like I, I didn't read the comments for this one but i just remember like a lot of people being very like defensive about it and it was just like you, you're exactly who i'm talking about and i don't actually not put myself in this category I just as Me. we're saying it's like the degrees of it no but you know how we were talking about weak men <laughs> i do think that weak men don't you think that that is yeah, they're, they're avoidance they're definitely avoidance. They're avoidance. Yeah. Dude, they are definitely people that just kind of like pent up all the rage and then like every now and then it just kind of like bursts out and they're just like, no, everything's wrong. I think but that's they're like... They're insecure. I think they can either be avoidance or anxious. Uh, avoidant or anxious. But don't you think that this is what I was like connecting? Because the other thing that you're always hearing about in, in uh, workplace environments, you're always hearing about those kind of like cucked men, which I put myself in the category of, and like nasty women. And I think that nasty women are like the ones that have the, uh, of, yeah, like have the attachment issue because they're saying what you're saying, the right? Like, attachment. Yeah, when, when they're pissed off, they'll just go fucking psycho. They need to attack the other person, which subconsciously it's actually them expressing love in a weird way. Yeah. Like, I love you, but I don't like the way you made me feel and I need to express that so that you can see that and love me back. Yeah. So if you're very secure and healthy and you're dealing with someone with an anxious attachment style and that you feel like you're being attacked, they're actually showing how much they care about you. If you're that, if you're on that next level of consciousness. Yeah. But uh, who's on that? Not many people. Not me. Yeah. I want to know what goes... So, okay, you've, you've said that you just avoid it throughout the whole day, but... Not throughout the whole day. I'll avoid conflict for years. I will sit yeah. there and fester and like just just be like they're, they're fucking doing it again. Like and, and I'll just sit there and be like that's, that's okay, that's fine. You can you're fine about that. You can you can detach from that. It's not a pervasive thought in your mind. No, it is a pervasive thought in my mind. This is the whole thing. It's just like it's the way that people with attachment or avoidant tendencies, the way that they're dealing with things is very immature. Mm. Like it is just something that'll just be gnawing at me, and I'll just say nothing, and then you know at some point I'll explode. And say something fucking like really nasty and like, (laughs) you know, that kind of a thing. That's the way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very classic thing, but like uh, a good example of this actually is recently a friend of mine was talking about one of their friends and they were saying, and this, this is the mind of somebody that is an avoidant. Just, it's so much better to look at it from someone else's perspective because then you're just kind of like, fuck yeah, that is me and. But anyway, he is in a relationship that mm. he clearly hates. Like, all of his friends know that he hates it. It's the classic relationship mm. of an avoidant with somebody that's in attachment. So she's just constantly trying to solve it 
No, 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 it's not even she's trying to solve it. She's like, she, exactly. she's constantly yeah. at him. Yep. Uh, he, like, goes and hangs out with his friends, what, once a month, once every two weeks. She just explodes. You're always hanging out with your friends, all that kind of shit. Uh, constantly demanding of his time. She's not a catch. She's not hot. She's not intelligent. She's a mean, vicious person. And yet he can't break up with her. And every time that they talk to her, talk to him about it and just be like, dude, you can do better than this. Like, you shouldn't be hanging around this person. Uh-huh. She's, she's, she's adverse and she's clearly making you miserable. He will just quickly try and change the subject as quickly as he can. And yeah. you go back and you look at his roots and what happened? Every fucking time it's something like this. His dad died. He didn't have a father figure. The mum was just like, you're the husband now, subconsciously. Put all of that onto him. So now, when he's in relationships, he has this... This is an avoidant so well. Like, they... If they don't love someone, they'll stick around out of duty. They will feel that they have to stay there because of duty. Okay, that's interesting because I would have guessed that as soon as there's any conflict in a relationship, they won't want to hash it out. They won't want to try and solve it. They'll be like, I don't want to deal with it. I'm out. Yes. But that's the whole thing is like, you you have to get them to that point. And all of their breaking points would obviously be different. And again, like avoidance uh-huh. in degrees. But if there's never that point of explosion... Yeah, okay. They, they, they'll just fucking sit there. Mm. And that's what he's doing now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm... But as soon as, like, it's, like, it's off, it's off, and then just goes. I can't... I want to get to what goes through your mind in the midst of conflict, because I don't understand that at all. If there is anything drastically imperfect in a relationship, I need it solved, and I need it solved immediately to to an obsessive degree. (laughs) And it's actually quite unhealthy and toxic, let's be honest. Yeah. Because... I was I was watching this video today, and then the the um the the teacher was saying, "All right, uh, take a piece of paper and think about home. Write down the first words that come to your mind. The first word that immediately came to my mind: pressure. Yeah. So that is always, I think, what is going on in every relationship I'm recreating. I need this to be perfect. I need to be good. I need to. If I'm if there's a minor conflict, it's a it's a it's a it's not just something I can logically and rationally discern and look at. It's, it's, I can, I can catastrophize. I've gotten a lot better at it, but, uh, this last relationship did bring things to the fore that, uh, in previous relationships have been way worse. And I thought I'd overcome that, but I'm actually glad this happened now because there's still things I need to work on. So pressure's the first word. That was the first word. But is that the first word that you think about with with relationships? No, no, no. But because they're they're telling you to do that because we subconsciously can recreate yeah, 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 the relationship yeah. we had with our opposite sex parent. Yeah, but if and I was, it was to say a bit of that, like my mom, I love my mom to death, and we still have a great relationship. But she wasn't a very affectionate, loving mother. Let's just say she was loving, but she didn't show it in an affectionate way. Yeah, which is perfect conditions for that. Yes. And she's also ethnic. So nothing's up good up. enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. It does. 
Whereas I feel like the white boys are all avoidance because the mother like had a dad that was just being never at home. <laughs> was That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that is the classic Damn. white boy. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it, it just keeps getting reprinted over and over. Yeah, but then again, like, dude, every fucking person that I meet that has, uh, like that is secure, always the same. You look at their family upbringing and they're It's happy. some Flanders shit. It's Flanders shit. Yeah. Or if they are divorced, they're both happily divorced. <laughs> yeah. And the divorce was Where's kind of like friends? mature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah you know, my, my parents are still uh, t- together. Again, I don't, I don't think there was anything particularly malicious or abusive that went on at all. But it, it's just this, this, you know, what you, the environment you grow up in does influence the way you are yeah uh i want to know because i'm would obviously have all the fibers in my body in a in a period of conflict with someone who may have an avoidance style all the fibers within me would be going towards show them how much they've hurt you that's that's everything that would be coming out really or show them how hurt you are because that's a way to show how attached you are. Not just hurt, but like how angry you are. It does get quite emotional. And even though two or three podcasts ago I was talking about, oh, I'm so logical and all of that. But again, I have a logic to these emotions. But what does an avoidant want to hear? If we're having a conflict, what, what do you, what would, what would help the conflict for you? If we have disagreed on something, Oh, Jordan, your shit on these fucking podcasts, you never, you, you, you always talk about the same things. And then we're angry at each other for a day or two. See, I would think of a, okay, how can I arbitrate this? Uh, think of a really, a, a nice, friendly message, taking into account all the good things that have happened, all the wonderful things we've done. But here is the criticism that I do have. And ended. You want a classic like compliment, a compliment sandwich. sandwich. Yes. What would you want to hear? If, what, if, if I gave you that, how would you feel? How would the avoidant feel if I said something like that? I think a compliment sandwich is very see-through, but that just might be me personally. Sure. Personally, I prefer, and this is what I'm always doing with, uh, or I'm try, I, I try and remember it. It's actually something that Simon Sinek was saying, which is that, you, you see this all the time from, like, friends that haven't caught up, but then the friend wants a favour, but it's just a little bit too long, maybe two years you haven't seen each other or something like that. And then it's just like, hey, babe, I haven't seen you for years, but, uh, yeah, can you vote for me in this upcoming, like, bachelor <laughs> fucking Cleo thing or whatever, right? He's saying reverse it. He's saying, hey, vote for me in this Cleo thing. Also, I haven't seen you in a while. Hope that you're, you're, you're well. Flipping that on a team really actually makes yeah that would not that would go so against I guess would that be because you you don't want someone to come across as fake you just want someone to get to the point yes because it's it's that thing of exactly it's it just it's it's a way of creating mistrust isn't it really like because it's like you're hiding your intentions yeah but if you just like open about your intentions it's uh it's it just creates trust more. This is why in Soviet Russia, everyone's like really direct in Russia. Like every, every Russian that I've ever met is like, you, you, you think of them as a cunt and then you meet them. Sorry, my, my headphones just went out, but who cares? Um, Completely out. 
Yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, people that you meet in Soviet Russia, they're really cold. Yeah, there we go. Direct. The way that yeah, the, the the way that they are addressing you is because they lived in a society that was obviously heavily surveyed, and so sure. uh, and secret police could just grab you and chuck you in a gulag at any moment for anything. And so, as a result of that, the whole society became extremely direct and rude. But this is the other thing that you learn about Russians when you meet them for long enough. They're also a lot like more trustworthy, honest. And they'll stick by you if they're your friend. Yeah, okay. You know? So they don't it's, they don't fuck around. They don't fuck around. Mm. So and if, so if I there was a conflict that was that you were enduring, you'd rather someone just get to the meat of the conflict and how they actually feel. I would, but the thing is, like, me off. But yes, but the thing is, I personally can't do that myself, and I think that the avoidant is constantly just waiting. You know what they're waiting for? Because this, this is what my girlfriend says about my style of argument every time. I, it's just like, she'll just be like, she, she'll say, I don't know, like, you never take your shoes off when you go in my house or some shit like that. And I'll just be like, yeah, well, you don't appreciate all the things I do. So like, so I'll just like bring something up from like six months ago and be like, remember that day? That was fucked. You know, like, but it's got nothing oh, to do with what's been said. now, eh? <laughs> Is that a female thing? Yes. Really? Yeah, that's a classic, a stereotypically female thing, bringing up things from, like, months and years ago. Right. Because I don't know, because my girlfriend is classically secure. Very loving parents. Yeah. Like, very... So she's fine with all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't know... I wouldn't know what it's like, but... I just wait until I have the opportunity to say something and then I'll explode. But I'm just waiting for that invitation. I would say that's closer to an anxious trait than an avoidant trait. But I think you're avoiding it though, right? Like you're avoiding the conflict. Yeah, you are avoiding that particular conflict, yeah. Like it's just like, because you're just saying all the time, like I need to address this problem. There's a problem, let's address it. Yeah. Dude, I I will not address a problem. I'm always waiting for the invitation. Yeah. So I think what they're looking for, and this is just from personal experience now, I think they're looking for the invitation to air their concerns. But this is the other thing as well, because, and I know this, two is asking me every few weeks or every couple of months or something, uh, do you have any issues with the relationship? And even then I'll be like, no, no, it's all fine. It's just you're but waiting you for them to complain. Of course you do. It's a yeah, relationship. Yeah, right, right, you know? Okay. But the thing is, that's she, she's too, much more mature than I am. But this yeah. is the thing that you learn about all these secures. Like, just uh, say it. Why don't if, if if she's asking if there's things that you have an issue with, why not just say it? Well, you know how your thing is always just being like, tell them that they're angry. Tell them that they're angry. Stuff like that. Yeah. I think it is. I'm still, I'm still processing it and analysing it. But from a lot of... Uh, my previous relationships, I think that, I think it is that. Huh? So what do you mean you're still processing it? Well, I'm still trying to figure it out exactly, but I, I would say, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause like that sounds accurate. Yeah. I don't hear the, when I, if it's a very stressful situation, I'm not saying I'm like this in minor conflicts or basic things I'm fine with, but if it's someone really upset at me or angry at me and, and heavily attacking me 
and I go into stress mode, I, I then can't deal with that particular conflict. I need to just sort of mediate the situation more than anything, if that makes sense. So no, go on, go on. So if someone's really... If someone's really angry at something I did, I then can't think rationally about it anymore. I'm just like conflict, avoid the, like just reduce the reduce the temperature, whatever you have to do to reduce the temperature. Mm, okay. Whereas if it's okay. a small thing where it's like, hey, you didn't do this, I can be like, yeah, okay. I guess I didn't do that, but you told me you didn't tell me to do that, so I can have a rational discussion about it. Mm, mm. But if it's like, fuck you, I can't believe you fucking did that. Okay, 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 okay. Let's just let's talk. Let's sort this out. Let's sort this out. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's not like someone's fully attacking me like that. I can't be like, all right, well, hang on a minute. Like you didn't say that, or you, I can't then refute points back because you get. Like overwhelmed, I think so. By, yeah. by the, like the rage, I think so. Yeah, because look, your style I would think. be constantly trying to like hate. It's it's just trying to keep, it's trying to keep that relationship constantly. It's just yeah. like trying to drag that relationship back because it's so a value if, mechanism for me more than anything. What do you mean? So if someone says, I think secure people when. If a work colleague or a friend says, I can't work with you anymore, they think, okay, we just have personal differences. We had a good time, but that that's sad. Whereas if I hear, I don't want to work with you anymore because XXX, I'm like, oh, fuck, what did I do? Like, I did something wrong. I'm not perfect. I need to be fucking better. Mm. It's pretty unhealthy. I mean, it's good. I think that's why I'm successful. At yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's also very unhealthy for personal relationships. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's strange that there's always just a bit of a catch-22, aren't they? Because it's just like, especially in this society, I'm always making this point on the self-help channel that like, you, you need to be putting, you need to be putting evolutionary pressure on yourself because yeah. there's just no pressure. If you're homeless, it's very easy for you to survive in this society, even if you're homeless. There's charities and government programs that will keep you alive, which is really all your body is looking for. So yeah. the fact that you have that natural psychological <clears throat> like, like, uh, yeah, that natural psychological pressure mm. would definitely be why you're like successful. So that's potentially, and, yeah. and like the fact that you're in that, yeah. that kind of like turmoil is, it is definitely good for that. And you're right, like it's just something that you need to kind of find the balance for in life. And 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 with you, I think your success came from the fact that you are also avoid avoidant. Yeah, because I'm I'm very very happy being alone. So happy being alone. See, that's the thing as well. I'm also a massive introvert. I can be alone, and I love being alone. But yeah, but you don't like you don't like upsetting people. And this is the thing. I think this is another thing with avoidance. Is like mm. avoidance. If that happens, you're kind of just like, well, that relationship's gone, and then you just go on with your life. Yeah. But with you, that doesn't sound like that. That's the case. Ever. No, no, it's not. It's pretty unhealthy, I guess. Um, but then again, the avoidant ones can be unhealthy too. Well, that's the whole thing. It's just like the avoidant is just a constant commitment foe to everything as a result of that, I think. Tell me this, because uh, you've done a few podcasts and self-help videos about the interaction you had with a certain former editor. Yeah. Can you go through that conflict again and, and, and maybe help me understand how your 
avoidance style came out and maybe how his style came out. What was he? Was he an avoidance? Both avoidance. Yeah, both avoidance. Both avoidance. Okay. And so that's what happened there. It was the... Said certain editor obviously had a problem, and I still don't know yeah. what that problem is to this day. And this is the other thing about an avoidant, which I'd imagine the people with attachment are just like, I need to know. But the thing is, they're just kind of like, yeah, fuck him, and then that's the end. And it's just like, it's, it's so fucking immature, isn't it? It's just like seven years of what was a very good friendship and a very mm. productive friendship, and like, you know, everything was fine. Obviously, something wasn't fine. Don't know what it was, but he, he was like, the same thing, seething with resentment, but wouldn't say what it is. And I wouldn't even try and elicit that. And again, I was not giving him the permission to elicit it. I was just pretending that everything was fine. Yeah. And so resentment just builds. And this is something that people with a, an attachment problem always report, seething resentment. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's both avoidant and uh, anxious. Oh, really? I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Because I thought that they'd just be like... If, if there's anything, the problem at all, they just say it. Well, um, no, I don't do that. You don't do what? I don't just say, if, if there's any problem at all, no, because I'm over think I, I'm like, oh, fuck, is it just me? Like, I don't, I don't know. Right. But you can bring things up. Yeah. You can bring things up. I can definitely bring things up. I'm not, no. I'm definitely closer. I've, I've got more anxious traits than avoidant traits, but I think everyone has a bit of both. Of course. Because there's there's also, in that quiz I took, there were certain things that I am an avoidant at. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I just think it's interesting. I, 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 I want to get better at just uh, observing other people's attachment styles and then potentially not not lying to them, but adapting what I have to say to suit their attachment style. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just interesting to think about that. I well, think you guys should too. Oh. <laughs> Do the trauma work. <laughs> yeah, but as if you're not interested. It's I, I, a huge male audience, yeah. All we talk about is the same shit white girls talk about. Not even girls, women. White women. This is 40 yeah, yeah, yeah. year old this women chat. Eat, pray, love, shit. <laughs> it is. Well, my ex-husband was an avoidant. All the podcasts that I've listened to that talk about this start with acoustic guitar. Yeah, It's a very... It is. Th- there's a demographic they're hitting there. But you've got to be... I think it's it's vitally important to any sort of success in your life. Well... Uh, relationship success, career success. You need to just be at least aware of what your attachment style may be. And then how to mitigate any potential adverse effects from it. I'll, I'll add this though. If you're secure, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. If you're secure, great. But even if you're secure, it would be worthwhile understanding how to react and act towards someone who may be avoidant or anxious. But see, don't you think that they sort of... That's true. Like, they, like everyone can obviously like get better at owning it. But I, this is the other thing that I notice about people that are secures. They seem to just have a natural... You know, yeah, you know, maturity what? to the, the, the only word that I can wrong. say. They have maturity about them. Yeah, <laughs> you're definitely not wrong there. Like they, they, like if they're just more perceptive of people and things like that because they are yeah. secure. Skilled people aren't successful. Successful people have some deep resentment within them that they needed to compensate for. It's famous. I won't say successful. True. Famous. 
Oh, thanks. Another level of yeah, success. Yeah, so like, many. Every celebrity is just a cunt in some way. Oh, yeah. Every single one. Don't fall in love with your heroes. Uh, okay, now, but you know what else as well, though? At least they're interesting. 